So Jesus, help us to apply those words to our lives. Help us to experience your strength and your victory. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hello, we few, we happy few. We DVRs of the game. Thank you for being here. We do have a rule around here, no hawk talk, so, you know, don't share the score, all that. If you need to check your cell phone to see the score, I'm okay with that. All right. Uh, and th thank, you for, thank you for being here. A while back, my youngest daughter decided that it would be fun to run track. And until we told her that running track involved hours of practice in which you have to, well, run. At which point she said, oh, run? Never mind, you've crushed my dream. What else are parents for, right? I am a lot like her. Often, I, you guys are laughing really well today. You're like <laughs> compensating, and well done. Um, often, I'm like her. I want things, but I'm not sure I want the struggle or the hardship to get them. Do you ever do that? Of course you do. <laughs> Because we all do that, right? We, we, we want to be healthier, but we don't like having to exercise to do it. I mean, goodness, Pete, why hasn't someone invented a chocolate chip cookie that makes you lose weight, right? Like, surely, if we put a man on the moon, we could do that. Sometimes we want stronger character, or maybe it's to be a better parent, or any number of things, but we're not sure. We want to deal with the difficulty of getting those things. It's like hiking. We want the view, but when the path gets hard, we're not so sure. How is the path hard for you these days? In what way is the path hard for you? Maybe it's an issue, a financial, relationship, health, career problem. Maybe not, it's not a problem so much as you just kind of feel stuck in a rut. Or maybe it's a goal you have and it's difficult to achieve that goal and you're starting to get discouraged. Well, we're starting a new ser sermon series on the book of 2 Corinthians in the Bible. And we're going to be talking about how we respond when the path gets hard to follow. And this applies to all of us on a personal level because we all have those seasons in our life when the path, when it's hard to follow, when life gets hard. And if you're not in a season like that right now, well, then just store this away because you will be at some point. Or maybe you know someone who is in a difficult season and maybe you are called to comfort them in some way. But this series is also going to be bigger than just our personal lives. Because last fall, we talked about being pathfinders in a post-Christian culture where fewer and fewer people identify as Christian. And we talked, about, we talked about being people who help others know that Jesus loves them, that he wants to make their lives new, and that he invites them to participate in his rescue mission to this world, to redeem, restore, and bring up there, down here. But here's the thing, being pathfinders in a post-Christian culture is a hard path to follow. So this series is sort of a part two to the Pathfinder series in the fall. And we're looking at 2 Corinthians because in it, the Apostle Paul talks very personally about his own struggles. One of which is that the Corinthian church has rejected them as their leader because of these people who go around who call themselves super apostles. Okay, what kind of ego do you have when that's what you call, hey, I'm Scott, I'm a super apostle. Like, like what kind of weirdness is that, right? And, and these super apostles say that they are better than Paul in every way. They're better looking, they're better speakers, they're deeper theologians. Only problem is, they're preaching heresy, right? So Paul writes several letters to the Corinthians to win them back to the real Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians, he's kind of fed up with the Corinthians. Like he's kind of pastor on the edge, right? 
And toward the end of the book, he sort of just loses it and, and goes all spider monkey apostle on him. And, and, and it's, it's sort of the apostolic equivalent of kicking the cat after a bad day of work. But in his rantings, he gets off some, of the, some great theology about how to follow Jesus when the path gets hard. In the passage we read today, Paul says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And the phrase sufferings of Christ could mean either the suffering that Jesus experienced personally or suffering that comes from following Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks mostly about the kind of the the difficulties we're going to face when we are pathfinders participating with Jesus in bringing up there, down here. Because see, we cannot expect to follow a crucified Lord and not expect a cross. But neither, neither can we expect to follow a crucified Lord and not expect new life, or a resurrected Lord and not expect new life. And in the passage we read today, Paul talks about how to have courage when the path gets hard, and he talks about it when he calls God the God of all comfort. In fact, he uses that, the Greek word for comfort 11 times in just 10 verses. But, and this is important, comfort is not what we think of. What Paul means here, it's not how we tend to think of the word comfort. He's talking about something different, and this is my main point. When the path gets hard, comfort isn't about feeling better, it's about getting stronger. See, God's comfort is different than our idea of comfort. It's not about being comfortable, it's about about strength and courage and victory. And the first point Paul makes about God's kind of comfort and how it's different than ours is that we don't find comfort, comfort finds us. Paul says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. That is, it is in God's character to bring comfort. It's just what he is. It's just what he does. Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that, see, there's a purpose to being comforted, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. In other words, real comfort is grounded in the character of God. It's not about us kind of trying to comfort ourselves by turning to comfort food or comfort drink or entertainment or shopping. It's not about self-comfort. When my oldest daughter was three, I remember taking her on this Ferris wheel ride. She was three years old. And throughout the entire ride, she kept wringing her hands, saying over and over, It's okay, Holly. It's just like swinging. It'll be okay, Holly. Kind of this... Weird self-parenting kind of thing that she did. and Kind of convenient if you're the parent. But Now, I was there. I was trying to comfort her through the terrifying Ferris wheel ride. But somehow her self-comfort was what she wanted the most. Paul is not talking about that. He's not talking about self-comfort or the world's comfort. In Greek, the word comfort that he uses means someone or something that comes alongside of us. Now, comes alongside to do what? I'll get to in a minute. But it comes from outside of us. We don't find comfort. Comfort finds us. And you've heard me tell scores and scores of stories of people in very difficult times, myself included, who experience a supernatural sense of courage and victory and, 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 and hope. We don't find comfort. Comfort finds us. And our comfort is secure because it's not grounded in our circumstances. As Annie just prayed, it is grounded in the nature and the character of God. That's point number one. But wait, there's more. And here's where our understanding of the word comfort is inadequate. Because if comfort means something or someone that comes alongside of me, the question is to do what? And that's the second point. God's comfort isn't a there-there. It's a get-going. 
The English word comfort comes from the Latin com and fortis. Fortis means strength, as in fortification or fortify. So comfort really means a strengthening force that puts strength inside of us. And that's a bit different than we tend to think of the word comfort, right? Like we, we think it's sort of a there, there, it'll be okay, little buckaroo, it's all right. When it's really more God saying, I am with you. So back to the battle. And this isn't some kind of positive attitude we whip up in ourselves. It's something that God puts into us, sometimes through the encouraging word of a friend. Sometimes through something you read in the Bible or maybe hear in a sermon or in a song. Sometimes and often it's just a supernatural infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a get going. It's not fluffy pillows and soft sheets and kittens and bunnies and things like that. It's a sword and a shield. It's not about easing our pain. It's about stiffening our resolve. See, comfort isn't comfortable, but it is strengthening. And often God uses the very hardships we face to strengthen us, to grow our character, to make us strong. I mean, you've all, we've all heard the motivational saying, right? We've all heard it. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, except bears. Bears kill you. <laughs> but you know what? I, from my observation of my own life, from life of others, I, that motivational saying, it ain't necessarily so. Because sometimes what doesn't kill you just makes you bitter and dysfunctional, right? But with Jesus... So you've got to put Jesus in the mix. When the path gets hard to follow, Jesus can use those hard things to strengthen us, just like working out a muscle strengthens the muscle. And I think that we as a culture could use some toughening up. What do you think? We are a very whiny culture, said the whiny pastor. Like in the fall, we talked about being pathfinders in a post-Christian culture and about how early Christians spread Christianity throughout the Roman world, not by politics, not by force, but by living sacrificially, caring for plague victims at the risk of their own lives, giving to the poor, being fed to lions for following Jesus. Then later, a couple centuries later, after the fall of Rome, people like St. Patrick, who were, who were made slaves by a Celtic tribe after he got, get, got out of slavery, went back to the very same tribe that enslaved him to show them the love of Jesus. And because he was willing to sacrifice like that, people thought, this Jesus has to be real. How else to account for such generosity? How else to account for such courage in the face of death? How else to account for such sacrificial love? If we really want to see people know Jesus and be part of his rescue mission to bring up there, down here, then we need to toughen up because that is a hard path to follow. We will have to sacrifice. Now this, this is a message that I can preach on a Sunday when the Seahawks have a 10 a.m. playoff game. Right? Because you're the core. You are the faithful. You're the ones who DVR the game. A greater love has no man than this, that he DVR the playoffs, right? And, and by the way, thank you for being here. I think God honors your, your, your desire to be in worship. Although I have to be honest, I did sort of think that maybe what we could do on Sundays like this, because pastors kind of never know what to do with something. You know, we, you know, we do change our service times. We, we never know what to do. I kind of thought, well, maybe what we could do is just show the game up there <laughs> during church, and I could preach in little intervals during the commercial breaks. <laughs> What do you think? Next week for the, I don't, I'm not sure I can get that past our elders. I'll work on it. Now, obviously, obviously, if we want to be pathfinders, we're going to have to sacrifice a little deeper than DVR in the game, though that, that's a start. And that's why we need God's kind of comfort, which isn't so much about 
easing our minds as it is about strengthening our resolve. Warriors don't ask for deliverance, they ask for victory. Real comfort is when God puts his strength, his hope, his power, his courage inside of us. Which brings me to the third point, and that is God's kind of comfort is about resurrection. In this passage, Paul says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But notice what comes next. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. That's one of the good things about hard times, make you rely on God. Who raises the dead. See, comfort isn't some kind of stoic enduring. Nor is it sort of the power of positive thinking that says, Oh, don't worry, things aren't as bad as they seem. They're actually usually worse. God's strength is not grounded in us. It's grounded in the character of God as fully revealed in Jesus, who is God in the flesh. And what does Jesus show us about the character of of God? Well, the cross shows that it is in God's character. It is in God's nature to bring life out of death, bring good out of evil, and make all things new, just as he did by using the evil of the cross to pay the price for our sins and conquer death by rising again. This isn't just something he does. It's who he is. It is in his character. Therefore, we can have confidence. It is in God's nature to bring life out of death. It's just what he does. And what that means is that we don't avoid suffering because we know that God can use it for good some way, somehow, someday. But neither do we seek suffering or just kind of wallow in it. Because, man, some folks can just kind of wallow, right? Like, ever been around? I mean, you know, poor me. I mean, I'm one of those people. Like, I can dwell in the pit of despair really easily. Fortunately, I'm married to a woman who has zero tolerance policy for that. <laughs> The word comfort means to put strength into. So sometimes what it means to comfort someone who's wallowing is kind of go, you're kind of wallowing. You know, we need to rise out of this thing. We don't avoid suffering. We don't wallow in it. Here's what we do. When the path gets hard, we live as Easter people. People of the resurrection who know that just as God used Jesus' death for good, then as surely as the sun rises in the east, he will compel hard things to yield up good things. And even evil will be the eventual servant of our joy. Because that's just what God does. It is in his nature. The hope of Easter is not that things don't die. They do. It's just that they don't stay dead. And God does his best work in graveyards where he brings life out of death. And the more we live into that, we aren't comforted in the sense of there, there, there. We're strengthened. Because I know that even if I fail, I'm not a failure. And even if I die, I won't stay dead. Whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? We don't find God's comfort, it finds us. It strengthens us. It's about resurrection. And finally, God's comfort isn't just enough to get us through. It's always enough to give away. Paul says, praise be God who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. With what? What do we comfort? Some kind of generalized comfort? No, no, no. Specifically, with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. See, one of the consolations of difficult times is we can think, man, I wonder how many people I'm going to be able to help because of this. For instance, I am glad that there was a season in my life where I had panic attacks every single day because it allows me to talk to people who struggle with anxiety and say, man, I have been there, and that is hard. And, man, I know that. That is hard. But I also know that Jesus can help you rise above it. He did it for me. How can I help? When we face hard times and receive comfort, it's always enough to be given away, which ultimately is a resurrection. Out of my difficulties, out of my little deaths, can come new life for someone else. Not with the force of my own personality. Paul says he comforts with comfort he received. 
right? That, that means I don't just give away some kind of generalized cliche kind of comfort filled with cliches or, or trite sayings or pat answers, you know, cheer up, every cloud has a silver lining, the sun will come out tomorrow. No, it won't. We live in Seattle. I don't give away just any comfort. The text says I give away the comfort that I've received from Jesus. It's passing his strength to others. Sometimes that's just listening. Sometimes that's, that, 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 that's, that's just being there to help someone out. Sometimes it's an encouraging word. Sometimes it's putting strength into someone who's wallowing. And we can't do that for everyone, but we can do it for a few. And here's our reward. First, it is exhilarating to be used by God to change someone's life. And second, and bigger, if we want to see Jesus making new of all things, if we want to see God's kingdom come so it is here on earth as it is in heaven, and wouldn't it be cool to be part of that? Well, one of the things that means is passing along the strength we've received from Jesus to others. <clears throat> There's a college student in our church who I'll call Landon, because that's his name. And this summer, he worked with Young Life, which is a Christian organization that helps, uh, helps youth meet Jesus. And he was on a guide on a week-long backpacking trip called Beyond Malibu, where they go deep into the mountains of British Columbia. One of the groups he led was a group of high school seniors. And their Young Life leader told them if they went to Young Life all the way through high school, then as seniors, they could go on Beyond Malibu. And they had all worked uh, part-time jobs to earn money to go on this trip. Well, the first day in, one of the guys in the group, I'll call him Ethan, not his real name, who struggled with anxiety, had a panic attack. It was so severe, at one point he was just kind of crawling on the ground. And it got worse and worse, and eventually it was really clear that he could not go on. So, so Landon and the other leaders, they had a decision to make. Either radio back to the base camp and have a team come and get Ethan and take him out and then finish the trip the rest of the week with the rest of the boys or return as a group together. And they kind of talked it over as a group. They talked it over with the boys and kind of went back and forth. On the one hand, it really wouldn't be fair to those other boys who'd worked hard to earn the money for that trip and all of that. And, but on the other hand, man, it kind of seemed like an obvious opportunity to show love to their friend and their brother in Christ Ethan. And they kind of went back and forth and they kind of couldn't, ended up not being able to make a decision. So finally the boy's young life leader made the decision to go back together as a group. Now I know that raises kind of that, lots of questions like, really? Was that the fair thing to do? And why did Ethan's parents even let him go? All of that. Those are good questions. But put those aside because you know what? Stuff happens. But here's what God did with that. For lots of reasons, they had to wait a day before heading back to the, to the base camp. So the next day, Landon took all the other boys on a short day hike, so at least they'd have that, while Ethan stayed in the tent with another leader. And Landon, on this hike, asked these other boys, how do you feel about this? Well, obviously they were kind of bummed. Obviously they were kind of angry. And they were like, you know, we worked really hard for this. And they're kind of bummed out about it. And they were all football players, and they were really looking forward to the physical challenge of this, of this week. But as they continued to talk, finally, one of the boys said, you know what? We're football players. We get physically challenged all the time. But this burden that Ethan has, he may have to carry that his entire life. And we'll have other chances to climb other mountains. We'll have lots of other times when we're going to be physically challenged. So for us, the bigger challenge, the harder thing may be the spiritual challenge, not the physical challenge. Maybe one of the bigger, maybe for us, the bigger challenge, the harder thing is to love Ethan, come alongside of him, give him some strength, and let him know that we're with him. Maybe for us, that's the challenge we have to face. 
18-year-old. Not bad that, right? Now, obviously, in the scheme of things, missing a week-long trip like that, it's not the end of the world, right? Although they did work hard to earn the money. And I know the snit fits I can throw over far lesser disappointments. So it was a death of sorts. But when the path got hard, Jesus gave that one 18-year-old comfort, not a there there, but a vision, and put courage in him to speak it to his peers. And Jesus didn't give them just enough to overcome the disappointment. Jesus gave them enough to also give away to Ethan. And out of that mini-death came a resurrection. It helped those boys grow spiritually, discover what it means to be a man, die to self to show love to a brother in Christ. And God's kingdom came in them just a little bit. And Ethan did find it comforting that they didn't just wave goodbye to him, hey, good luck there, you know, with that, but they were with him, and they, they went back to base camp with him. Now, the kind of burden Ethan carries, that may take years to heal. He may need 100 moments like that of being loved like that. But if he needs 100, at least now it's 99. Because those boys did that for him, and he's one step closer. And besides, I don't think it was about, just about Ethan anyway. I think God was after the hearts of those young men, and he got them. The ways they grew by giving away the strength they'd received from Jesus, the growth that brought in them was far greater than summiting any mountain ever could have been, and God's kingdom came in them in just a little bit. So where's the path a little hard for you these days? Or if it's not, who do you know who's walking a tough road? And maybe you're called to comfort them. How can you connect with Jesus, who doesn't there there us to death, but puts a sword in our hand and a shield around our heart, and he says, I am with you. I who conquered death, even I am with you. Whom then shall you fear? Whom then shall you fear? So forward, march. So Jesus, thank you that you put strength into us. Thank you that you comfort in a way that the world does not comfort. Lord, thank you for the courage that you give us. And we ask that you would fill us with those characteristics that come from you so that people will see you in us so that we can give your life away to others. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.